part-time lover. Uh, what can I say? I was um, uh, going to my job last night to drop off some paperwork with a work activity status report. I've been on work miscomp uh, for two months as of today when I broke a bone in my ankle at work, uh, changing a flat tire. And um, AAA is the best job I've ever had without question. And I've done an actual podcast on it, um, touching on it from that standpoint. And at the same time, what was kind of there yesterday, because I'm supposed to report the paperwork to my job and my manager as soon as I can, so they know, you know, approximately when I'm going to be back to work and that kind of thing. And when I dropped off the paperwork last night, it was after hours, and I purposely didn't go by there when everybody was there, because I didn't know if I wanted to get distracted by a bunch of different conversations and things like that. And I started once to just fax it into them. But because I ended up in San Jose longer than I thought I was going to be, I was like, screw it, I'll just go ahead and drop it off. And then it'll be out the way. But the thought that I was left with after I left, or even as I got there, was like, I was I was going through such a difficult time when I was applying for that job and going through training. Training took ridiculously long. And they gave me an ultimatum. It's like either you make the grade or we're going to terminate you um, because we can't just keep, you know, taking you through this training process for as long as we have without any return on our investment. We've invested a lot of money in you and a lot of time is what my manager said to me. And he was right. But I had so much anxiety about doing this job that I had never done before. Um, but I knew I needed more money and I knew it need I knew I needed something radical to just break things up from the way I had been doing things. Just like me moving out here to California, sight unseen, no housing, none of that secured. Um when I went to drop off the paperwork. Afterwards, I felt sadness because I felt like I'm not going to be there much longer, whether it's because I transferred to another location that's closer to the house or because I end up leaving AAA altogether to start working full time for myself as a business owner and entrepreneur slash entrepreneur, because there's a distinction there. They are different. Um, but either way, I'd be calling my own shots. And the one great thing about AAA is when I'm driving that truck, there's nobody watching me. There's nobody standing over my shoulder watching everything I do. Now, they do have cameras in the truck so they can see what we do if we make a mistake, if we get in an accident. They can do all of that. Um, but I get the experience of being my own boss because I'm driving the truck. I'm going to different calls, helping the service members to have a flat tire, or get locked out of their vehicle, or their car needs a jump, and I give them a, a jump where I replace their battery. And then I'm measured every week. You know, the numbers are right there on the board in terms of, you know, are members satisfied with my level of service? You know, what is my conversion rating, or how many battery sales have I gotten? And it was incredibly confronting at first when I got to that job to see my breakthroughs and breakdowns, so to speak, in my performance in real time right there on the whiteboard. And I looked at the whiteboard last night when I went in and uh, they hadn't put the numbers up for the week. 
And uh, my name was still up there. But it seemed like a lot of names had come down. And I know they want me to get back, you know, because I was I had gotten to such a level of performance that I was one of the top performance drivers in the shop in terms of producing, you know, highly satisfied members and having high sales and conversion ratings. You know what I'm saying? I was doing a phenomenal job from what I started doing. But what I was left with was sadness because, like I said, either I'm looking at transferring to a, a location in Santa Cruz or one in the Santa Cruz Mountains that's closer to home because that just makes more sense. But the sadness was also coupled with the fact that I never seemed to stay at a job for any length of time. Three years tends to be my max limit. And then after that, I bounce. I'm gone. You know, a lot of times those are jobs I hate it. And that's like been 90, probably like 98% of the jobs that I've had since I started working. I've hated those jobs. I mean, like categorically fucking hated those jobs. And between working for Expo Design Center, working at uh, Ace Hardware back in Atlanta, and even Ace Hardware I worked here before I started working AAA, those four gigs have been the best jobs I've ever had, bar none. I'm 54 years of age, you know what I'm saying? And at the same time, I have not made much money in those positions because, um, especially before AAA, because those are basically minimum wage jobs. You know, I didn't graduate with a lot of confidence when I got out of high school. I didn't have much confidence in my ability to learn, my ability to pl- apply what I learned. You know, I graduated from summer school. I went to summer school every year I was in, in, in high school. I was so disempowered. It's a miracle. I made it through school. And when I found out I wasn't going to graduate with the rest of my class uh, in the 12th grade, I was crushed. You know what I'm saying? But I knew really going back to like the sixth grade every year I had just gotten by every year. You know? And um, it's just, you know, those reflections on life and my experience of life and the things that have occurred, it's just mind-blowing. Even with relationships, I've never had a long-term relationship. You know, at times, that was a part of what had me feeling sad last night. I wonder if I even have it in me to be in a long-term relationship. The longest relationship I've had has been like eight months. Again, I'm 54 years of age. Most people by my age have had, I would assert, I could be wrong statistically or whatever the the figures are, have had a relationship that's lasted a year, maybe two, maybe three, four. They may have been married once or twice, you know, by the time they reach my age. Not that that's good or bad or better, you know what I'm saying? But that's just, at times a conversation that has taken me out because it's essentially what amounts to a comparison conversation from what I see going on around me. And I see my younger brother who's been married, who's had many relationships, a lot more than I have, you know, made a lot more money than I have. He's five years younger than I am, you know? And I was listening to a podcast recently with Patrick Bet David, a very successful entrepreneur, and he said uh, when he was inter- interviewing Andrew Tate, guy that talks about masculinity and men being powerful and 
male-female relationships. And a lot of people get triggered by things that he says, but it's just true. When you look at his history, when you look at the roles of men and women, they're categorically just accurate. And I'm talking about on an energetic, primal level, like of a, like from a human nature standpoint, as a man or as a woman, the stuff that he talks about is just real. But the point is that Patrick Bed David mentioned to him, we asked him because he's the older brother, he said, but are you the alpha? And that was a distinct conversation I had never, and he said something else too. He said, are you the alpha? And um, it was another term that he used to the point where, in other words, it can trump age. In other words, so it's like if the other person, the younger brother is more alpha than the older brother, then that literally can trump the age factor. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is just me, but my brother is, in numerology, his number is a five. My numerology number is a one. So in, from a numer numerological point of view, he's actually, what am I trying to say? He is actually um, older than I am, right? Um, I don't feel that I'm, a beta to him, but I haven't really been an alpha a lot of times either, you know, because I was caught up in my own shit, my own trauma, my own woe is me, victimhood, my own um, just incompetence and feeling like I misrepresented him to have him as my younger brother and for him to pick me as his older brother. Um, but when I was thinking about that last night about the job and then I thought about relationships and there's a young lady that I really like right now that I, truthfully I would love to, I want to marry her straight up. And there are circumstances, <laughs> um, in the situation that don't make it as maybe as cut and dry as it would be with most, uh, intimate relationships or possibility of intimate relationships. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, am I even cut out for a long-term relationship? Because I haven't had one to this point. So how's that going to change all of a sudden now? Excuse me. And all there is to do is to ask God, the universe, the creator for guidance, continue to search yourself, in this case, searching myself, to find out what I want, what I don't want. And looking at people who are successful with their relationships or successful with long-term employment or successful with entrepreneurship, because one of the other things that's even shown up for me in that conversation, as I had a friend um, or an associate, I should say, that I met at World Financial Groups, break, break down and distinguish the difference between entrepreneur and business owner. And one of the things, then the main point she made was, is that an entrepreneur is a lot of times jumping from this next best thing to the next best thing to the next best thing. And there's, there, there's no real commitment per se. You know, it's like, oh, here's the next widget. Here's the, lex, here's the next latest, greatest, best thing. So let me jump into that. You know what I'm saying? Whereas to a business owner, they got skin in the game like big time because they have maybe a brick and mortar building that they're responsible for. They have employees. Like when I was working at Ace Hardware back in Atlanta, that was a family-owned business, just like the one I work for out here in Northern California. And they have multiple locations, the one out here. The one 
like there, it was just the one location. Whether it's one or ten, it doesn't matter. The point is a business owner, they, they can't jump all around. They can, but they'll lose the respect of their community, the people that work for them, you know, whatever. So they're, they're vested. They're in it for the long haul. You know, even when it comes to the life insurance policy that I have, that's one of the main things they talk about in that conversation is the importance of thinking long term, especially for the type of policy that I have. And when I look at society now, it's so based on short attention spans and TikTok videos that last, I don't know what, a minute, if that, you know, three minutes max, you know, some shit like that. And um, it's, it's, it's a weird kind of vibe because I know the value in long-term commitments. And at the same time, I haven't been effective with long-term commitments. When I look at people that have been married for years, I admire them. I want to talk to them. I want to ask them questions. How did you do it? When I hear people's stories like, a couple of the guys that I used to work with back at the uh, Ace Hardware here in, uh, in, over in Scotts Valley in California, those guys, a couple of the guys that have been there have been at that store for 30 fucking years, 30 plus years. That is mind-blowing to me. I was still in high school when these guys had just started at this job, and they've been there 30 years. And, you know, they know it really well. They're good at what they do. I have a lot of respect for them. But I was about to lose my fucking mind in that job because there was nothing to do at times. And that's how it is in retail. You know, you go through these periods where you're really busy and you go through periods where you're really slow. And that store was always slow. And it was slow largely because the the people that have been coming there have been coming there for 30 some odd years, just like the guys that I was working with. So they didn't really need you to help them, per se. They already knew what they wanted. And then you can't spend time on the computer. You can't, you know, go to certain websites. You know. I don't know, it could be websites about other businesses or some shit, you know, it could be a potential conflict of interest, you know. But it's like, what am I supposed to do? And I guess the big takeaway is that somehow they made it work. For 30 years and they're, they're well compensated, you know, it's a good family. They take care of the people that work for them. You know what I mean? And. Um, and then, you know, when you look at the state of the world as it is right now, I'm just left to wonder, like. You know, where do I fit in? You know, and I found a pretty good niche with AAA. And at the same time, like I said, from what I, I felt last night, I was like, I'm not going to be here that much longer. Like I said, whether it's because I transferred to another location or because I started working from home, you know, doing something online. Um, or, you know, once my book comes out, I start you know, making sales from that to where I don't have to work a job and doing public speaking events and, you know, doing more consulting work. Uh, definitely looking go, uh, to go back to school to get my uh, certification for um, like as a nutritional chef. And uh, 
So, you know, things are changing and a lot of it's good. It's not that it's bad or sad per se, say, even though at times I feel great sadness because I feel so connected to what it means to not perform. I, I've been in that space for a long time. You know, thinking about the jobs that I've had that I just, oh my God, it's a miracle. I made it through those jobs. I got to a point where I hated doing landscaping. That's the hardest work I've ever done in my life. And we're talking about Georgia with heat, humidity, and red clay. And I didn't mention even the hills, which are in many ways as steep as the hills are out here in California. The hardest work I've ever done. And a lot of times I wasn't sleeping. You know, as the chiropractor said when I went down to Tijuana, he said, you've been in a fight or flight state for decades and your body is breaking down faster than it's building up. Because I didn't know what else to do. I was trying everything I could think of to get out of the rat race, to get out of this working a dying lifestyle, death style, trading time for money, spending time in traffic. You know, working jobs that have no fulfillment, that bring no meaning to your life. You're not living your purpose. You're just existing. I was existing. And at the same time, I didn't want to take on debt because I didn't want to go back to school. Not that I didn't want to go back to school. I just didn't want to do financial aid. I didn't want to put myself into more debt. Because a lot of times you have people that go to school pay thirty dollars or $40,000, get their little piece of paper called a, a degree, and they still can't find a job in their field. And then you're, you got all this damn debt that you still are responsible for and you got to pay back. It's just an unnatural and unhealthy life. So when I see people that are happy, I'm blown away to where I'm like, yo, what's your secret? How do you do it? How do you keep your family together? This construct is not about family. It doesn't give two fucks about family. It cares about money at the expense of family. The Matrix is a fucking meat grinder. These people don't give two farts about your family, your children, your health, your well-being. None of that shit. It's just money. I used to think about that. Who created the eight-hour workday? As I understand it, supposedly it was Henry Ford. And if you're looking at how most people live their life, the time you commute to work is a part of the time you're there, whether you're physically there or not. If you spend a half hour going to work, a half hour coming to work, coming back home from work, you work a nine hour day. If you spend an hour commuting, that's a 10 hour day. And you look at daylight savings times, the insanity of that shit. And as I understand it, it was only supposed to be around for World War II. And then they just kept it in existence, much like the tax code, ironically. People were not supposed to pay taxes. Um, and I, I know a friend of mine who works for the IRS, so I could get clarification on this, but... Um, Taxes were voluntary for the longest time in America. The IRS 
is an offshore entity. It's not a, a United States institution. It's all facts. They're illegal, but yet and still, they're the bullies. They're the ones that just hired, what, 87,000 new employees so they could come flex on uh, the poor and middle class, what's left of the middle class, because they're not going after the rich. The rich got plenty of money to pay the lawyers they need to pay to get off, even though Trump might have gotten persecuted for supposedly not filing taxes or doing something illegal. The, the reality of it is most of the people that have money, I think they're personally just making a fucking example out of Trump. And that's a whole nother story. But the bottom line is most people that have money, they can afford to pay the best lawyers, even against major corporations that have billions. They can still play play the game with them until they settle out of court or they, you know, dismiss the case or whatever the fuck it is. But the poor and middle class, if they come after us, technically I'm still in that category from a a number standpoint, even though I don't think like poor and middle class, I think like a wealthy person. That's why I know I'm on my way to becoming very successful as long as I stay the course is that those those people they hired are for the middle class and for the fucking poor. What's left of the middle class, they're coming to just fucking, and small businesses. You know, they the major corporations get away with fucking bloody murder, destroying the environment, um, you know, what corporate waste and all, all this other kind of shit, paying off senators, congressmen, you know, with their lobbyists in Washington. It's all money. It's all business. It's all, and it's ruthless at that. They don't give a fuck about the truth. They don't care about your family. They don't care about the small business. So anyway, my podcast can sometimes be multiple digressions in communication. And I guess this is another one. Uh, but it was just what was there for me to share. It's like to get back to the original point and then I'll close out. It's like... Uh, you know, people that manage to stay on the job for decades and retire, you know, my mom worked for GM for 30 years and retired from General Motors. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, that's a thing of the past for the most part. You know, married couples that stay together for for a lifetime, you know, and they're still holding hands and they still have love and affinity as they're, you know, living their life. I'm like flabbergasted. I'm like, how do you guys do it? You know, what's your secret? That shit is magic. It's, it's blissful. It's, it's, I've talked to couples in multiple situations and asked them, how do you do it? You know, one of them was like, we fight for it. You know, the one of the guys, you know, beautiful wife, you know, she just had this elegance and grace about her. And um, he said, you know, when I asked him, I said, how do you do it? He's like, truthfully, I'm not really sure. He's like, we get on each other's nerves like anybody else. But, uh, He's like, in a lot of ways, it's probably luck, you know, and at the same time, family is very important to us. So we some we make it work. And you realize how quickly things can change. Good Lord, man, you know. But if you really commit it to something, you find a way to make it work. You find a way to stick with it, even through the tough times. And so whether that's a job whether that's a relationship, whether that's your business. You know, life is going to have its ups and downs, but it's about making a choice and sticking with it. And I guess that's the biggest takeaway I get is that for me in my life, the biggest and most important thing I can do 
And going through this experience with the broken bone in my ankle has taught me that even more so and brought it to light once again about being decisive. You know, because when this happened, I'd never dealt with a broken bone before. And then I'm hearing people say, well, use Arnica, you know, which I knew about, you know, to bring down the swelling. Uh, you know, take a lot of garlic, you know, it's a natural antibiotic. Then I go to the doctor, he prescribes me an antibiotic, which is a chemical compound that destroys the gut bacteria. So, yeah, it kills the bad stuff, but also kills the good stuff, too, you know. And then people are like, well, later as I found out, oh, ozone, you know, or take echinacea, um, keep it elevated, you know, do hot, uh, soak your foot in hot water with uh, Epsom salt or, you know, keep it elevated and keep an ice pack on it, you know, rest, don't eat, fast, your body is resting the entire time, sleep, make sure you get your sleep, all of these different modalities. And at times I'm just like throwing my hands up like, well, what the fuck do I do? You know, oh, put the comfrey on there. Knit bone to help bring the bone back together without having to cast it. Initially, the doctor's like, well, we got to put screws in it. And they'll stay in there permanently. They're not even coming out once we put them in there. I'm like, what the fuck? Screws. I'm not a piece of wood. I'm a fucking human being. Shit has been unreal. So all I can say is, folks, choose, you know what I'm saying? Choose powerfully how you want to live your life, how you want to create your life. And don't let anybody steer you off course. When you know what you want, stick to your guns, as they say, and see it through, whether it's the relationship whether it's making sure that you're there for your children, even if they're fucking up and doing dumb shit and you've done your best to raise them right. You know, even if that means tough love and a foot to ass. But you still going to be there for them. But you're like, yo, you going to get your shit right or I'm kicking your ass. I'm not even going to let the system do it. I'm going to kick your ass. Because sometimes that's what it takes. You can't fucking be in it. You can't enable people. I know I had people enable me most of my life because I was good at pulling people into my passive aggressive bullshit ways of being. And that shit doesn't work. It's not effective. So it's like when I share some of the things that I share on this podcast, I know it's raw. But my experience of life has been raw. I was just writing in my journals, just thinking about. It's a miracle that I'm even still here. Thinking about the jobs that I've had that I hated. Being in a sympathetic dominant fight or flight state for decades. Throwing all this shit at the wall. Somehow hoping something would stick to make my life work. To have the experience of being a, a, a winner. To use a popular term. As opposed to feeling like a complete loser. Incompetent fuck up. And that's one of the other things I've gotten as a, a major gift from AAA is getting a chance to play the part of being a hero. I show up on these calls and people are fucking happy to see me. Even the woman that I've been seeing, at times she will acknowledge me. And I've had other women in the past acknowledge me. I'm not going to lie. But it hasn't been often. 
And when she acknowledges me, I'm like surprised. I'm like floored at times. But it really connects. I'm like, holy shit, thank you for that. Thank you for seeing that I am doing my best to contribute in a way that's genuine and authentic as opposed to being wussy and, you know, all that kind of supplicating bullshit that women don't respect. Thank you for seeing my efforts and acknowledging me for that. The guy that trained me at AAA talked about how him and his wife were struggling to stay together. And one of his biggest complaints is that he's not acknowledged. I'm like, bro, I get it. A man wants to be desired just like a woman wants to be desired. If I got to initiate everything all the time, that ain't no fun. Do you want to have sex with me? Do you want to be intimate with me? If you do, then you can feel free to initiate. Fill me up sometimes. Shit, I like that too. It, it works both ways. It can work. A relationship can work. Families can stay together and be loving and enjoy spending time with each other. Even in a construct that is diabolically against that shit, whether they say it in a direct, subtle, overt manner, whatever. You know what I'm saying? This country ain't about family anymore. And that's the problem. That's a part of why it's in a shitter. So whatever you do, choose and choose powerfully. And stick to your gun, stay the course. This woman I'm going out with is Caucasian and Jewish. I'm black. You can make all types of shit up from there. Oh, he don't like black women. Oh, he wanted them stepping fletched Negroes. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. The last woman I was in love with was black. And I wanted to marry her. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her, but I wasn't ready. It wasn't really her fault. It was mine. My life was a fucking shit show. The fact that we stayed together for the six or seven months that we made it to was a miracle in and of itself. I mean, her life wasn't a bed of roses either. You know, she had her own stuff as well, like everybody does. But it's still expected as they as the man to lead. Our primary role is that of protector and provider. I don't care what anybody says. That does not change. That's inherent in the makeup of men and women. If a woman is consistently leading the man in a relationship, she does not respect him. She's probably fucking somebody else. Or considering it. I mean, that's just real. That's just what it is. And for some of us, it takes a while for us to cultivate our masculine qualities and abilities to where we're ready to lead a relationship. To where we're ready to step to the front of the room. Keep going and keep stepping. Choose powerfully. How does the scripture say? And I'm going to end on this. It says, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't think I'm saying it exactly right. Because you're either going to, how do they say it? You're either 
No man can serve two gods, for he will either love one and hate the other. So being divided of a divided mind, being bipolarish, if you will, being incongruent is ineffective for having a life that works. With God, all things are possible. Healing is possible, no matter what it is you're dealing with. As I said, I think it says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, right? And then also how when you seek God first, all the other things will be added unto you. And the kingdom is within. It's not external. It's inside of us. All of the Christ, the Christ consciousness, which is really what it is. All those teachings are in that book. That's what he's saying. Ain't no need to look outside of ourselves for any fucking thing. We already got it. Stand in your power consistently and create a life of magic that brings you joy and fulfillment. And I'm going to end on that. Peace.